Testing, test, Ooh, get that out of the way. Testing, can you hear me? Awesome. Good morning, happy, holy, and blessed Sabbath this morning. It's good to be back. It's probably about my fourth or fifth time here, so it's, it's good to always be here. And, um, you know, I want to I thank uh, Elder uh, Ruda for the wonderful Sabbath school that we had this morning. Uh, if that's all we had, I'd be full. It was thank you for facilitating that. And, uh, you know, they say that you can tell the pulse of a church or the, the life of a church. The pulse is how many people show up to Sabbath school because I think... Uh, you know, Sabbath school is a little bit sometimes more important than the, than the message that, that's right here because we all can participate, and it's a time that we all, you know, can share and grow. And, uh, you know, this Sabbath is uh, not so nice of a Sabbath for some people. I don't know if you've heard, but there was a helicopter that went missing over in the Philippines, and several, I'm not sure exactly how many people are missing. They're still missing. They've been missing for five days. And they've been searching for this helicopter. And this helicopter is part of PAMAS, which is a medical, uh, it's, a, it's a ministry that they, they use to fly people around to get medical help. And so people have been praying all around the world. And so as we open up uh, in prayer this morning, I also want to, to pray for them. And, you know, it always amazes me about how many people come together in times of crisis. It always amazes me. There are thousands of people that are praying right now and giving resources, and they're all focused on this one. You know, it's, it's just five people. But, it, you know, five people, and in in God's estimate is a lot, you know, each soul is, is worth so much, worth the blood of Christ. Uh, but it just amazes me. How about we... It would be nice if we could have that same focus when there aren't so uh, times of crisis, you know, when, just for the regular work that we have. It would be so nice if we kept that focus. But uh, let's start off with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we're, we're grateful that you have given us this day where we can come aside and rest a while that we can indulge ourselves in you. And Lord, I pray that you will be with me, not because I am worthy or because of any righteousness of my own, but because uh, we trust in thee, Lord. And we pray that you will be uplifted and that you will give uh, empowerment to this word and that you will convert and convict and comfort whoever needs it, Lord. So be with us this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, the, uh, the lesson in Sabbath school was about the sin of covetousness, and my sermon title is Get Rich or Die Trying. And some of you might be wondering, well, that kind of sounds a little bit, uh, that clashes there, but I assured the pastor that it was a good kind of rich that we're going to talk about today, so don't worry about that. So, Curtis Jackson, was a, he was a man born on July 6, 1975, to a 15-year-old single mother, to a 15-year-old single mother in a drug-infested neighborhood of Queens, New York. And she herself was a drug dealer. Um, she, it was said that Curtis feared his mother more than the bullies in the neighborhood because she was a very, very tough mother. And she did not tolerate any weakness. 
Uh, she would, if he showed, if he started crying, he would say, or she would start saying, aren't you a man? Or, you know, that type of mother. And at the tender age of eight, Curtis lost his mother in a very horrific fire when she was just 23 years old. And it was very hard for him to grasp that she is not coming back. He just couldn't accept that. So you can imagine what has been going through this young Curtis's mind. And, uh, you know, it was generally believed that foul play was involved. And so he ended up being adopted by his grandmother. He ended up being adopted by his grandmother. But other relatives that were in that house, uh, he says, did not like him being there. And uh, he attributes uh, some, some bad stuff that they did to him and his dog, which I won't talk about. And just at the tender age of 12, he ended up going the same route as his mother and became a drug dealer as well. Followed in his mom's footsteps. He says that he felt in his traumatized self that the only way to get through this brutal and indifferent world was to follow in that path. And he ended up starting to rap. And at age 19, he was busted by an undercover cop. He was sentenced from three to nine years. But instead, he chose to go through boot camp and get his GED. And then in May 2000, age 24, his life changed drastically when he was shot nine times and somehow managed to survive and make it to a hospital where he spent 13 days in surgery fighting for his life and then spent six weeks um, trying to walk again. It took him six weeks to learn to walk again. And then... Uh, this left his, his ability of speech because he had fragments in his tongue. He was not able to speak very well. It, it impaired him for the rest of his life. And after this incident, he lived in fear that one day he, he will be next. And he lived in a constant state of anxiety and paranoia that plagued him day by day. And his role model and mentor, who was 37, was then shot dead not too long after that. So as you can imagine, his life was not very pleasant, and he hadn't gone through very many things that seemed to be good. Uh, he then took all this dysfunction, all this brokenness, all this pain, and channeled it into what became one of the top rap albums of the 2000s, which was Get Rich or Die Trying, and it had the song by the same name. So he took all this, his energy, and he, he actually, he, he, he had a, a top-of-the-charts album. And, you know, I wish I could say that he accepted Jesus, and his life totally changed after that for the better. But not so. Even though he became one of the top rappers of the 2000s, he had, I think his net worth was somewhere... 150 million, somewhere around there. He ended up becoming bankrupt by the, by the year 2015. By the year 2015. And, uh, you know, that's the legacy that we have if we sow wild oats. That's what happened. That's the troubles that we have. Even if we make money and lots of it, our life is still a bunch of trouble. And, you know, there is nothing that, there is no amount of money that can atone for a lack of peace. Lack of peace in our lives. So, Jeff, why are you talking about uh, this guy? This guy, actually, his name is 50 Cent. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, 
Um, and I am no wise glorifying rap music or 50 Cent or that lifestyle. As a matter of fact, I got into that at the, when I was about 14, and I correlate that strongly to my path of drugs and being in jail a couple of times. So I'm so, no wise saying that we should uh, you know, embrace that. But there are some points and illustrations I want to bring out from this example that do, I think, apply to us. You know, 50 Cent's story is a story of rags to riches. And Isaiah 64, 6 says that we are all as an unclean thing. Does anybody know what that unclean thing is in reference to? And I won't ask you to mention what it is because it is pretty unclean. And all our righteousness are as what? Filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. So, 50 Cent went from rags to riches, but we ourselves have our own rags to deal with. We have our own rags to deal with. <clears throat> you know, we, we, as God's people, we have a message that's been given to us in these last days from Revelation chapter, thir- or chapter 3. And what is that message that has been given to us? What is that message that have given to us? It's the Laodicean message. And I think sometimes we can be one of the most deceived people in the world. Because, and here's the reason, like the Jews of old, you know, we feel like we have a good life. We feel like we have everything going on. We feel like we are rich and increased in goods and in need of nothing. But the true story is that we are in rags. We are in rags. Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 3, verse 1. He says, What advantage then hath the Jew? Or what profit is there of circumcision? So let's translate this to today. Let's make it applicable to today. What advantage is it to be an Adventist? Is there an, ad, is there an advantage to be an Adventist Christian? But in verse 2, he says, Much every way, chiefly, because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. So in other words, the Jews had an advantage. Why? Why did the Jews have an advantage? Because they had the truth, right? They had the truth. We have the truth. We have an absolute advantage with that truth. We have, a, we have something that the world does not have. We have the compass. We have the map. We have everything that we need that the world does not have to, to navigate uh, righteousness, and eternal life. We have all that. So we have an advantage. We have the Adventist advantage. Verse 9, Paul says, What then? Are we better than they? Talking about the Gentiles. Are we better than the Gentiles? Paul answers this question. It says, he answers no. In no wise, for we before proved both Jews and Gentiles what? And they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There's none righteous, no, not one. That goes for me. That goes for us. None of us are righteous of ourselves. None of us. And we think about Nicodemus. We think about Nicodemus who, and I I bring this out before, I think, and, and, and I always bring this out. Nicodemus grew up as a good Adventist. He grew up in a good Adventist home. Nicodemus had the best education that Adventism could buy. 
Nicodemus had everything that you could have to be a God, good God people, right? But what did Jesus say to, to Nicodemus? He said, unless you are born again, what? You shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. Revelation 3, verse 17 says, Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Servant of the Lord says in 7 Bible Commentary, 7th volume of Bible Commentary, page 961, The message to the Laodicean church reveals our condition as a people. The message to the Laodicean church is applicable to all who have had great light and many opportunities and have yet not appreciated them. Now we think about, we th- going back to 57, we think about where he came from. What did he have going for him at the beginning? He didn't have very much, right? But he ended up taking his situation and implying all his energy to become rich. Now, obviously, we're not talking about us wanting to be rich in this world's goods, but we want to be rich in the goods of God. And so, what excuse have we, who have all the opportunities in the world, not to become rich for Christ? The message to the Laodicean church is highly applicable to us as a people. It is placed before us, has been placed before us for a long time, but has not been heeded as it should have been. You may manifest great zeal and missionary effort, and yet because it is corrupted with selfishness and tastes strongly of self, it is not in the sight of God, for it is a tainted, corrupted offering. Unless the door of the heart is open to Jesus, unless he occupies the soul temple, unless the heart is imbued with his divine attributes, Human actions, when weighed in the heavenly balances, will be pronounced wanting. Now listen to this. The love of Christ would make you rich. The love of Christ would make you rich. That's the kind of riches that we want. Amen? But many do not realize the value of his love. Many do not realize that the spirit which they cherish is destitute of the meekness and lowliness of Christ. Destitute of the love that would constitute them channels of light. So our bank account in heaven may have had some deposits, but we could have, at this point, have had so much more deposited. We could have invested so much more. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 19, what? He says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. How many have ever read the, the um, I think it was a dream that Sister White had, about the two crowns? Has anybody ever read that one? Where she talks about the two crowns that were either in one or two camps. And there's two crowns that are available. One is the crown of eternal riches. And there are those who keep their eyes upon it and keep struggling for that one. But there is also the, the crown of this world that people are also too constantly trying to get to. And um, 
And people are throwing, like, I think she talks about people are throwing black balls at each other. And when you concentrate on the black balls that people are throwing at you, which are negative comments and negative things, then you too become tainted by those black balls. And so it's an interesting story. I would, I would highly recommend it if you've never read it. So if 50 Cent could put so much energy and time and his everything into this, why don't we do the same? Why don't we do the same? We should strive to be like Bill Gates in heaven, amen? We should, we should I mean, that's how, that's how rich we should want to be in heaven. We should put a lot of energy and creativity in obtaining this kind of wealth. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twelve, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. And I think I've read it here before, and I, I usually ask, what, is this good violence or bad violence that we're talking about here? Sister White talks about it being good violence, and that this violence should take up our whole hearts. We should not be double-minded, double but we should have this good type of violence to, to take the kingdom of God. That means we've got to put all of our soul's energy into this. We should be given a, a whole and living sacrifice. That means we should be willing to put everything upon the altar and give everything. So what are we holding back? What are we holding back? I believe that the gist of the Laodicean message is self-satisfaction. We are satisfied with our condition. We are satisfied with our achievements. We are satisfied where we have obtained and what we have done. To me, it's kind of like a, a stick floating in a stream, downstream. You know, a stick doesn't fight against the stream, right? It just kind of goes where the stream takes it. And sometimes we can get into the mindset where we think that if if something needs to change in our lives, that God is going to make that change happen, which God is the one that ultimately makes the change, but we have to put forth the energy, the efforts to sanctify our lives unto him and to do what he wants us to do. We have to actually have action involved. And so instead of being like the stick that's floating downstream, we should be like the salmon that's constantly fighting against the river the way of the river. And uh, because we know that our human nature is consistently fighting against the Spirit of the Lord, what He wants for us in our lives. Not just our nature that we have to subdue, but we also have to overcome this world. The outside forces are constantly trying to get us to go the opposite direction of where Christ wants us to go. And Satan is always trying to pressure us and move us against the, the, the way that God wants us to go. So we're always supposed to be battling against this current. And I think a reason that we don't see more fruits in our experience is that we don't exercise enough of a certain muscle that we have. Now we think about God. God is God a creative God. God is a very creative God. And how do we know that? How do we know that? We can tell just by, I mean, when we look at nature, when we look at the, the fish, when we look at the birds, when we look at the, everything in nature, the beauty of the lilies, the beauty of the flowers, 
we can tell that God is a God of not just beauty, but creativity. God is a God of creativity. And I believe that God has given us a muscle that we should exercise as well, which is also creativity. And I think a reason why we often don't see more fruits, that we often don't see um, you know, bigger and better things happening, is that we don't exercise enough creativity. And creativity flows into every aspect of our life, right? Creativity flows into every aspect of our life. Whether it's our relationships, whether it's our job, whether it's our, you know, it's our, I don't know, you name it. Um, whatever we're doing, our ministry, creativity affects all of it. So I think we all need to, to, to put forth effort to exercise more creativity. And so... A question I like to ask um, when it comes to evangelism, I'm actually a, uh, you know, I, I've been here several times, but I don't know each time how many people have been here. I actually work at the conference. Uh, I don't know if um, some of you don't know that or not. You're probably wondering who this guy is up here, but I, I'm actually the risk management director and associate treasurer at the conference. But my background is as a Bible worker and a health uh, medical missionary. That's my background. So evangelism is something that I, I just love. It's a part of my life. And what I ask people is, if it was up to you to win, to win this, the world, if it was up to you to win the world, how would you do it? To Christ. And you're probably like, well, you know, there's no way that could happen. And that's probably true. We could not win the world. But... That doesn't mean that we can't try. That doesn't mean that we can't try. So how would you win the world? You know, there's a saying goes that shoot for the moon. Because even if you miss what? You'll land among the stars, right? So in other words, we should aim high, as high as we can possibly aim. And even if we miss that target, we'll still reach a lot higher than if we hadn't aimed as high. Because we tend to hit lower than where we aim, right? That's, that's typically what happens. And so the numbers don't look so good. You know, this Earth's population is about, what, 8 billion people, right? And just in the NAD territory alone, we have about 377 million people in this territory. And the church is only about 1.3 million strong. Now, the church, the good news is, the church is growing by about 2.5% annually. About 2.5%. That means that we will add about 32,000, this is obviously rough figures, 32,000 people this year. Now, the NAD territory, that means the whole population of the NAD, is growing at about 0.42% annually. Now, it sounds great. Hey, the church is growing by 2.5%. What was that? 2.5%. And the world's only growing at 0.42%. Hey, we're, we're outpacing the world, right? Well, yeah, that sounds good. But when you consider that the NAD territory is going to add the same amount of people as is in our church this year. So the numbers don't look too good. So something has to give. Now, we realize that the end is only going to come when? When is the end going to come? 
Yes, when the character of Christ is fully revealed, and this gospel, as Matthew 24, 14 tells us, this gospel is to go to the entire world, and then what? The end will come. So we have to get this gospel out to everybody. It's basically what it's saying. So I want to talk briefly about one of the greatest tools that we have as a people to utilize for this effort. One of the greatest tools that we have. And that is the internet. Now, who is familiar with ChatGPT? Is anybody familiar with that? And if you're not, you probably will be hearing more about it soon. ChatGPT basically is Google's, uh, it's, it's like it's, it's AI interface that you can actually ask it anything and it will tell you basically whatever you ask it. Now, I asked it to write a sermon for me. Not this sermon. It was another sermon. And, uh, you know, it was about, it was actually the last sermon I preached. It was about uh, Bible prophecy and the pieces, putting the pieces, pieces of Bible prophecy together. And I kind of gave it the criteria. It's probably a pretty big paragraph, but it was only one paragraph. And I told it has to be a Seventh-day Adventist. It has to be a Seventh-day Adventist sermon. And, and so I told it what scriptures to use. And one of the scriptures was talking about Philip and the Ethiopians. So this is, what the, this is what came out. I'm just going to read the sermon that came out from AI, which is kind of scary. And, the, and AI's sermon said, We see Philip being led by the Holy Spirit to preach to an Ethiopian eunuch who is reading the prophecy of Isaiah. The Ethiopian, now mind you, I only told it which scripture to use. The Ethiopian was seeking to understand the prophecy, but he needed someone to explain it to him. Philip, being led by the Holy Spirit, was able to fill in the missing puzzle piece and help the Ethiopian understand the prophecy. Similarly, in Luke chapter 24, 25, 27, and 32, we see Jesus appearing to his disciples after his resurrection. At first, they did not recognize him, but then Jesus helped them understand the prophecies in the scriptures that talked about his death and resurrection. In this way, Jesus was like the missing puzzle piece that helped the disciples understand the bigger picture of God's plan. We must be ready to receive the missing pieces of the prophecy puzzle and be open to understanding the message that is being revealed to us. Finally, let us look at Revelation 1.1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants what must soon come to place, soon take place. The word revelation means to reveal or to make known. Now, this AI actually seems a little bit smarter than some of us sometimes. In conclusion, the spark of prophecy is like a fire that ignites within us when we start putting the pieces of the prophecy puzzle together. The Holy Spirit guides us as we seek to understand the message that is being revealed to us. The scriptures are the puzzle pieces that help us understand the bigger picture of God's plan. We must be ready to receive the missing pieces and be open to the truth that is being revealed to us. And then it concludes with a prayer. I didn't even tell it to pray. And it concluded with a prayer. It says, let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of prophecy and the truth that it reveals to us. We ask that you ignite the fire of prophecy within us and guide us as we seek to understand your message. Help us to prepare our minds for action and keep our hope fixed on the grace that will be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen. This was AI giving this. This was AI so there is no excuse for any of us about not being able to preach a sermon anymore. 
And, um, you know, I'm using this. I'm actually, I told you I'm a medical missionary at heart. I'm using it to build a health online course. And I used it to make an outline and for the script for a lot of the videos. Now, obviously, I'm going to curate it and take out some stuff and put in some stuff. But it just shows you the power that we have available today for tools that we can use for his mission work. There is so much available out there. And I believe personally that every church now, we are in the time when every church should have a digital evangelism marketing budget. I think every church, I really believe that. We need to be utilizing that as a source. And if not, we're missing out on a huge opportunity. We're missing out on a huge opportunity. So the bottom line, what's the bottom line to all of this? Let's strive, let's strive with what we have to lay as much treasure up in heaven before time's run out. And time is running out. We know that. We see what's going on around us. We see what's happening day by day. Let's put all of our energies, all of our creative powers into going above and beyond what we have gone before. And I get that some people don't, you know, you know, the younger generations were more, a lot more comfortable with using technology. But technology, computer, internet, is not the only way to win souls. It's not the only way to spread the message. But remember, Samson, if we are coming to the, if, if we feel like we're coming to the, the final chapters of our life, we feel like we, we don't have much to give. Just remember Samson. And it, it, how much, Samson did more in his final hours than he did in all his previous time. Remember that. And this is what Samson said. He said, let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might. There's that key, with all his might. And the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. Judges 16.30. And of course, Samson, God had raised him up to be a judge in Israel and to help rid the land of the Philistines. But he got distracted. And we know what his distraction was. But God ended up using that for his benefit later on. So let's call into power all the power of creativity that we have. Let's come up with some really humongous goals. And even though we know we probably won't hit them, let's still do it and see how much we can get and reverse engineer the process step by step. Let's not be satisfied with mediocrity, this, you know, the, the average. Let's stop putting so many resources into feeding those who already know the truth as it is in Jesus and use more resources in those who don't know him. Jesus is waiting on us to spread the three angels' messages to the world. And let our hearts be filled with that holy violence, holy violence, like it says in Matthew Let's embrace the fact, the reality of our rags, that we are wretched, poor, blind, miserable, and naked. 
And let's give everything that we have to receive the true riches that Christ can give of his love. Let's get rich with heavenly riches and die trying. And that's what I have.